Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, hello, everybody. Good morning. It's a good morning, right? It was a good Thanksgiving, yep. Yeah. Amen. Well, I don't know how many people follow me on Facebook or on Instagram, but the one thing I posted on One Minute Message this week is that um, just remember that many people have, uh, everyone has something to be, uh, things to be thankful for. But as a follower of Christ, you and I have someone to be thankful to. And that's a big difference right there. Because we can be thankful for a lot of things, but are you, do you have someone to be thankful to? And we can be thankful to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. And that, that, that's the game changer right there. Well, we're going to conclude the series today. If it's your first time with us, you can go back on our NBCC Narco YouTube channel and watch it. It's, this is the fourth part. And uh, next week, I move into a series called Light of the World. We're going to do a Christmas series with one break in it, and that's on December the 12th. I'm going to take that Sunday to tell you where we're going in 2022. It's hard to believe it's already another year, right? Um, I was just six, and now I'm 35. But but where we're going, some of the victories this year, so it'll be a really good Sunday, but then we'll continue on in the uh, Light of the World series, and it should be a real, real good one. But today I want to finish up by talking to you on a topic, the Bible is alive. Has anyone ever noticed that before? The Bible is alive. Now, I hope you have your Bible today or your phone to, to shift quick. I want you to follow me, and we're going to go cover a lot of Scripture. I'm going to tell you right now, so you've got to move with me quick. It's up on the screen, yes, but I would love for you to learn your Bibles and be able to flip quickly to wherever these places are in your Bible. That's something you really want to learn as a Christian. Now, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to open up with Scripture, and I'm going to give you, instead of uh, my normal, I'm going to give you some Scripture here just to start this thing off. When you're in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, just say, hey, I'm there, Jim. Wow, that was weak, man. Okay, (laughs) whoa, okay, here we go. Verse 20 and 21, this is Peter. Peter, who was an eyewitness to the death of, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's one of these guys who saw it with his own eyes. And he says this in verse 20 and 21. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of, one, of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Now, what Peter is telling us is this. He's saying that these scriptures, they are not a product of one man or any person's light in their own head. No. It's not a matter of their own thinking. He says these scriptures are a product of the Spirit of God moving in people's lives. It moved in men's lives. Now, the word moved The Greek word is the idea of a ship in the water and it's being blown along by the wind. So it's the idea of wind is blowing that ship along. So these men who wrote down the word of God, they were moved, the wind, it blew. Now, hold that thought right there 
Now turn over to 2 Timothy, to your left now, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's a very well-known set of verses that pertain to the Word of God again. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, if you're there, say, I'm there. Verse 16 and 17 say this, All Scripture is inspired. Say inspired. inspired. Inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, when it says here, all scripture is inspired by God, the word inspired literally means it is God, God breathed. So now you take the previous verses where men were moved by the Spirit, it's the wind that blew, same idea, wind, God breathed. Now you put it together, and once again you find that the scriptures are given to us by inspiration, God breathed upon people's lives. Now, that's why when people say, um, uh, that, you know, and I, they've told me, I'm sure they told you, that, oh, the Bible was written by men. Yeah, it was penned by men, but it was inspired by God. Amen? And then let me, can I show you a quick little sidebar tidbit? Is that okay? Look back. Yeah, sure, okay. Okay, look at verse 16 again. It says, all scriptures inspired by God, and it's profitable for what? What's the first one? For teaching, that's right. It'll tell you what's right, right? And then the second one, and for what? Reproof. In other words, it'll also tell you what's wrong, correct? Yeah, and then it moves to uh, um, correction, right? And it'll tell you how to get back right again, right? And then it moves to training in righteousness. And that means it'll tell you how to stay right. Tells you what's right, what's wrong, how to get right, how to stay right. Any amens on that? And so you want to stay with the Word of God all the time. That's why you got to learn this thing, read this thing. So it was inspired by God, penned by men. It is alive. And I want to talk about that today. It was about 1989. And um, I had decided that I was going to go back to college for a biblical studies major. Um, I was in my early 30s. And I, to, to be honest with you, I flunked out of college three times. Any college flunkies like me? Anybody? Okay, God bless you. Age 18, I flunked out. 19, I flunked out. 20, I flunked out. And I amassed a total of seven units in three attempts, okay? <laughs> now, just to be honest with you, and I'm saying this to try to help people, okay? But it wasn't a matter of smarts because God has given me this ability to memorize and remember, and I just can remember. It was a matter of a lot. I didn't have any direction. I had no idea. I wasn't given direction. I didn't know what I wanted to be in this life whatsoever. And I say that part of it to say to some of you in this room, possibly. You know, you might not, you might be thinking to yourself, I could never go back, go to school, go to this, but you're smart enough to do it. But no one ever gave you the direction, never, no one ever showed you the way. And this is a really big principle that in life, if you're in an isolated environment, say your family, and no one ever attempts more, and no one ever attempts college or trade school or sort of business, if no one ever does that, you're not going to see anything different. Any amen? 
And so at some point, you might want, you might be feeling, I want to break out of this. I want to do something different. I want to change the cycle in my family's life. Amen? And you can step out. You can do these things. I did it. I stepped out in my early 30s. I had a wife. I had a mortgage. I had a car payment. I had two kids. And I said, I'm going to go back to college. I'm going to go back and do this. Now, I only had seven units. And so I had to go back and take a lot of general education before I could get to a biblical studies major. So I go back, and uh, I was taking nine units a semester. And I'll never forget my sociology class and professor. In that class, I, I looked at the book and I saw chapter 15. I'll never forget chapter 15. Chapter 15 was a chapter on religion, and I couldn't wait to get there. And I waited 15 weeks to get there. And when we got there, my teacher, who was not a Christian by any means at all, I mean, if, he, if anything, he was a communist, and he really was. Um, he, uh, he stood up in class that day and he said, chapter 15 is a chapter on religion. I'm a religious. We're going to jump to chapter 16. <laughs> you don't know how angry I was inside. I was, I was a youth pastor, and I was mad. I wanted to go up and get that guy, man. I couldn't believe it. I waited 15 weeks for this moment, and you jump over it? And uh, so one day, I'm outside the class, and I'm talking to him. And, you know, I'm a Christian, and I, I'm not kidding when I say this. This is not an exaggeration. I bring up that I'm a follower of Christ, I'm a Christian, and I believe in Jesus Christ. I said, Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Here's what he did when I said Jesus Christ. I'm not kidding. He went like this. I thought, what was that about, you know? What kind of spirit's in this guy? And then his head did a 360 and he spit guacamole. No, I'm just, no, I'm just, no, that's the exorcist, okay? That's the exorcist. Okay, if I remember right, I saw that when I was like 17. But, um, okay, no, but he did this crazy look, and I thought, what is up with this guy? You know, and I walked away from that, you know, what, what just happened here? Well, it was the name of Jesus, right? There was something funny about whatever spirit this guy has been into, because it is a spiritual realm in this world. Even though we live in the physical, there's a spiritual. Any amens? But here's the point. When I said the name of Jesus, that name is alive, is it not? He rose from the dead. He is God. He always was. And so this name of Jesus, when you utter that name, it has power, does it not? It makes demons shake, does it not? Why do you think they will tolerate all these other religions, but you bring up Jesus, Christianity, and the morals of this, and they want to shut you down as intolerant? Anyone ever notice that? There's a real spirit that works against it because there's a real spiritual world. But the name of Jesus, and Jesus is the word, and this is the word of God, and it is alive. Is it not? Now, I'm going to give you three things today about that. And then I'm going to drive it home as best I can with one of my favorite New Testament characters, Nicodemus, who came that night to Jesus. I'll call him Nick at night, okay? Here we go. Number one in your notes, the first one I want to say is this, the living word of God speaks to me and speaks to you, does it not? Turn to Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 12. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Now, we don't know exactly 
Who wrote Hebrews? Could be Paul. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But no one's for sure on that one. But watch what the writer writes in verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the, of the heart. That's right. Now, when the writer says that the word of God is living, it means it's not lifeless like an idol. And then he says the word of God is active. And that literally means it's operating. It's always moving. It's always working. It's always doing something. But he also says that it pierces. And the big question is, I would ask, what does it pierce? If it's piercing, well, in the verse, let the Bible interpret the Bible. It pierces to the division of soul, right? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. To the division of soul and spirit. What spirit? As a born-again believer, that's my God consciousness, is it not? And then it says, to the division of both joints and marrow. Marrow, that joints and marrow, that's your physical body. Now watch what he just said. This word of God can pierce and divide soul from spirit, and you got the physical body also. In other words, he's telling you this. The word of God goes deeper and deeper and deeper in you and I than anything you can imagine. Any amens on that? I've had some invasive procedures as I get older, okay, at the doctor. But this goes even, anybody know what I'm talking about? This goes, and it's wild, okay? This goes even deeper than that. It goes to the soul and the spirit, which is housed by the physical body. It speaks to me. Now, I think it was two weeks ago. I wasn't with you last week. Uh, Pastor Charlie Bacar spoke. I went down to Ab to listen to my son Dylan speak. And um, I, I told you that someone gave me one of those green, hardback, living Bible paraphrase after I got saved. Anyone remember that story a couple weeks ago? Please say you remember anything I said. Okay, good. Okay. I, <laughs> please. I went away thinking, no, they didn't give it to me after I got saved. They gave it to me before I got saved. It was my sister. She gave it to me about a year before I became a Christian. And she said, read Revelation. Okay, I had no idea, okay. So one night, I actually read Revelation. Guess what I got out of it? Nothing. nothing. <laughs> okay, well, it's wild, you know, whatever. I got nothing. But when I became a Christian, I opened up that Bible, and that Bible came alive. How many know what I'm talking about? It was like, oh my gosh, it's jumping off the page at me. Why? Because it's living it's active, and it's piercing, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, if the Bible is alive, why wasn't it speaking to me before I became a Christian? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 if you want to turn there. If not, it'll be up on the screen. Now, watch this. I've got to go a little quicker now. Watch this. Here's what Paul writes in the New Testament. Paul, who hated Christians murdered Christians, stood there when Stephen was being stoned, led the way, then he becomes a Christian. This guy's a brilliant man, by the way. He says, but a natural man, 
does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. Say spiritually appraised. Now, <clears throat> I couldn't understand these words. Because I was a natural man. That means I was dead to God. He, Ephesians 2.1 but we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We weren't just sinners. We were dead to God, right? Our spirit was dead to God. So I, would, I read Revelation, but it didn't mean nothing to me. Jesus will tell us in John 6, 63, these words that he speak, they are spirits and they are life. And so these words are spirit, but a natural person, meaning the non-saved, non-born-again person, they cannot understand this. It will not jump out at the pages on them. They're not going to get that. But once the Spirit of God comes and regenerates you and your spirit's alive, now you're in tune with the Spirit, God the Father, and His Word, and now it jumps off the pages. Any amen on that one? Amen. Now, and that's why when you read it, it pierces you, doesn't it? You ever feel that way? <gasps> it just got me. And anybody know what I'm talking about? And that's why, Christians, every day of your life, you feel like you're in a war against yourself. Anybody know what I mean? Because your spirit wants to do the right thing. It's learning these things. Your soul, which is the old you, wants to go back and do the old things, and they both are vying for your physical body to do what they want, right? And that's where the battle is. So the question is, who do you want to win? Well, the one you want to win is the one you feed. Any amens? You feed your spirit. You get it stronger through the word of God, through fellowship, through worship, through prayer, through serving, all those things. Now, this is the reason why Nicodemus, remember Nick at night, remember that? I'm going to tell you something about him now, then I'm going to stop, then I'm going to tell you something about it at the end of the message. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. This guy is no ordinary guy. He's a Pharisee. In that day, he had to memorize the first five books of the Old Testament. Can you imagine that? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He fasted twice a week. He paid tithe. He believed in Yahweh God. How many know that's as religious as it gets, right? He comes to Jesus. He comes to Jesus one night. And Jesus begins to tell him spiritual things. Does Nicodemus even understand what Jesus is talking about? He doesn't get it. He, he doesn't understand it. Why doesn't this man, who is as religious as it gets, and Jesus is sharing with him these things, why doesn't he get it? He's not born again. Jesus told him in chapter 3, you must be born again. You must have the Spirit of God in you. But he still didn't even get that. Once the Spirit of God is born in a person, when you say, Jesus, I, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. You are my only God. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. What your word says is what goes in my life. Come and live in me now. When that happens in your life, and you go with it, and you surrender, the Spirit of God comes in, and you understand, Nicodemus, religious but didn't get it, didn't get it. You know what's cool about the Bible as a Christian? Have you ever noticed 
that the Bible at various times has time-release explosives? Anyone ever notice that? Haven't you ever just read the Bible and you've, you've read that chapter 30 times in your life? And then one day it's a boom! Anybody notice that? It just like, oh, it just ripped my head off. It just tore me apart. Because it has time-release explosives in it. You know what that means? That means your greatest experiences with the Word of God are still in your future. Have you ever thought about it like that? They're still in your future. You may think, well, I've already read it once through. Whoa, slow down on it. Okay, wow, okay. You keep reading it. Okay, now, we've got to read it. Now, the second thing now this morning is this. The living Word of God helps me discern between right and wrong. Woo! Okay, now turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to go through verse 11, 12, 13, 14. I told you we're going to go cover a lot of scripture today, but it's really good. Amen? Now watch what the writer says. Verse 11. Now concerning him, him, previous verses, is uh, basically he's talking about the superiority of Christ over all the sacrifices. Concerning him, concerning Jesus, and according to the order of Melchizedek, but that's for a Bible study, not for right now. Um, concerning him, we have much to say. He says, I like to tell you a lot of stuff. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Write this down if you're writing your Bible. Please write in your Bible. But write this. You know the word dull means? Mule-headed. That's kind of bold, isn't it? He said, I'd like to tell you more stuff about God, but all you are is mule-headed. You're just stubborn. You're just not going to listen. That's what he's telling him. If I said that, somebody here would get offended and walk out. But that's what the Bible just told us. He says, for though by this time, big statement, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk not accustomed to the word of righteousness for he's an infant but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern read it with me altogether good and evil now it's a loaded passage we could cover weeks just on these verses right here but I want to pull out a few things first off he says Christians can be dull of hearing can they not they become mule headed I'm I don't care what that preacher said from that word of God. And you've been a Christian years. She's not going to listen. You know what the word obey literally means? It means to really listen. To really listen. Now, the most convicting part, I think, of that exchange there is when he says, you know, by now, you should be teaching this stuff to people. By now, you should have been memorizing, studying, reading, meditating, applying this word of God, growing in the fruit of the Spirit in your life, Jim, that you should be able to disciple other people. By now, by now. But then he says, but instead, goes back, you're at the elementary principles. You're at milk. In other words, you're like Bill Murray, your spiritual groundhogs day over and over and over again. You're always back at the starting gate. Always back at the starting gate. Always back at the starting gate. 
And then he calls the people, he says, you are an infant. You know what the word infant means? Immature, non-speaking. I got three granddaughters and a boy coming in January. I'm still praying his name is going to be Jimmy. Because the last name will be Del Campo. Can you imagine another Jimmy Del Campo in the world? My family can't imagine that at all. Now, but, but, but here's the thing. Scotty's the youngest. She's, she's 10 months. Now she's taking her first steps. But, you know, they, they make sounds. They don't talk. She doesn't say, hey, granddaddy, what are you doing here today? Bring any candy? She don't say that, okay? She don't talk. She's 10 months. That's what he is saying to the person who always has to go back to the starting gate, back to the starting gate, back to the starting gate, never growing. You're, it's non-speaking. You're a little child. You're a little, little, little person needs to grow up. He says, but the person, the person who, who continues in these things and grows and meditates and reads the word and applies the word and is growing these things, that person now has the ability to discern between what? Right and wrong, good and evil. Can I stop you for a second to think about this? Think about what he said. You can discern right and wrong. We spent 10 weeks in a previous series in Genesis chapter 3. And what did the serpent tempt Eve with if she ate the fruit? That she'd be what? A God knowing what? Right and wrong. But he fooled her, huh? In this world, this culture, they think they know right and wrong, but in reality, they're dumping right and wrong. They're getting rid of it. But you and I, according to the Word of God, if we grow in these things, we come back, we reverse the curse of Genesis chapter 3, and now we are able to discern and know what right and wrong is in any given situation. Any, anybody like that one? I like that one. I like it a lot. Now, I thought, okay, Somebody might think, oh, Jim, I read it, but I don't really understand it. Okay, I'm going to have a test now, okay? This is just a test. We're going to go real fast, all right? You ready? I'm going to ask a question at the end of every one of these because people say, it's just hard to understand the Bible. That's why I don't read it. Okay, first verse. Uh, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined his wife, two shall become one flesh. Um, Okay, I gave you the wrong verses, guys. My fault. Sorry. I need to read. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. My fault. I didn't catch it in the practice. But those should be Ephesians 4, and the next one should be Ephesians 4 also. So my fault. So let me go to Ephesians 4, and I'll read it to you. Not their fault. That was my fault. Though I will blame them later. (laughs) So those first two should be Ephesians 4. I don't know how I didn't catch that. Okay. Look at Ephesians 4.31. Let me read it to you. Listen. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor clamor is rioting outcry wow we don't see any of that today do we? that's what it literally means and slander be put away there's no slander in this world is there be put away from you along with all mouths let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and question is it right or wrong to hold on to bitterness right or wrong loud come on is that hard to understand not at all let me read the next verse. I got another question. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you, should we forgive or not? Is that hard to understand? Not at all. That's pretty simple, huh? Okay, let's take the next one Matthew 5 27. Okay. 
You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. I got a question. Should we or should we not commit adultery? <laughs> not. Is that hard to understand? That's not hard to understand. Let's go to the next one. Chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Question. Should we be a person that brings peace into situations or comes and brings a crisis into a situation? What should we do? Oh, is that hard to understand? That's so easy to understand. I don't get it. Look at Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Should we come together in fellowship or should we not? That's not hard to understand, is it? It's pretty simple stuff. People say, I don't really understand it. You don't want... Look, Mark Twain said this. Great statement, he says. When he talked about the Bible, asked him about the Bible, he said, um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the things I do understand that bother me. See, it's what we do know. It's what we know is, oh, that really bugs I don't want to do that. You know what gets me? And I, can I share one of you my, my things as a preacher, what gets me? Can I share this? Good, because I was going to. Is that um, every so often you just get Christians, they get mad at the preacher for sharing something from God's word. I, how dare him say that? And then they leave the church or whatever they do, you know, because they're grown-ups. Um, who are they really angry at? <laughs> oh, God. I'm just telling you what it says. I didn't write. I didn't make it up. I didn't go home and say, well, what can I write today and pretend that's the Bible? It's God. People get mad at God. They don't realize, I'm going to get mad at that guy. No, you're getting mad at God. Now, <clears throat> can I drill down a little farther about this right and wrong thing? Is that okay? Yeah, I got time. Remember in Ephesians, I'm sorry, Hebrews 4.12, I said the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and able to pierce to the division of soul, spirit, of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Remember that? You know, do you remember that? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> the soul, and the Bible can cut between the soul and spirit. The soul is my old way of thinking. Got it? The spirit in the born-again person, that's what he's talking about. Born again is my God consciousness, and that's what can understand the word of God. It's alive to God. Got it? <clears throat> the word of God gives me the ability to cut through my old worldly ways of thinking that I learned growing up or trying to be put on me now and what God's way of thinking is. Is that beneficial? Can you guys, you guys, can you tell I'm Mexican? <laughs> I just love saying that. Mexican, a lot of Spanish, but Mexican. I grew up culturally, I'm Mexican, I'm cultured, you know, Mexican. Um, I like tacos and burritos, I mean, I'm sure you could assume that one, right? And hot sauce, and I like tamales at Christmas, pork with a lot of meat and juice in them, just saying, not so much masa and stuff, uh, no, that's not, no, I'm not just saying. I'm just talking out loud. What are you talking about? No, don't bring me any because then it'll be my refrigerator we packed. Just so, but I, I like all this stuff, okay? You know, we gave you all piñatas. Are you glad? Okay, you know. 
Now, in my Mexican culture, I remember my parents saying certain things, and as I'm growing up in my culture, that's a cultural way of thinking. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember certain things my mom said and my dad said, and when I got older and got in the Word of God, and I compared this with some of the things, because they said a lot of right things, but some of the things they said, that's just the wrong way of looking at it. It don't matter what I am. And don't matter that I'm Mexican and come from a Mexican family. That's a wrong way of looking at it. Because this is the right way of looking at it. Can I just tell you that the Word of God is above your culture? That you're a citizen of heaven. Never forget that. You're a citizen of heaven. Don't matter what your culture says. What does God say? What does God say? Now, let me move to the third thing. The third thing is, the word speaks to the believer and rattles around the inside of the unbeliever. And aren't you glad? Now, let's look at Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11. Now, I'll just read it off the screen. Isaiah 55, verse 11. Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet, for those of you new to the Bible. And he says this, among many, many things he says, or he pens. So will my word, this is God's word, so will my word be which goes forth from my, capital M, God, my mouth, it will not return to me empty. Isn't that great? Without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Now, prophetically speaking, in other words, if God says it, it's going to happen, right? And you read the Old Testament prophecies, it's incredible uh, the fulfillment of these things. It's incredible. Now, but God's word, what's he saying? He says, God's word proceeds from his mouth. My mouth, God's mouth. There it is, God breathes again. Any amens? There it is again. And then he says, that word, when it is spoken, it will go forth and it will succeed. Ah, you know what succeed means? To move forward, to progress. It means to cut through a river. In other words, when you and I speak God's word to anybody, it can penetrate the most impassable human hard hearts there are. Did you catch that? Good. Now, once you share the word with somebody, once you finally take those steps, and I would encourage you every morning, say, God, Give me opportunity today to share you and give me boldness to share you with great love. And then watch what the Spirit does. It blows me away the opportunities that come my way when I say those words to God every day. It blows me away. If you're wondering what your purpose is, it's simple. It's to make God known. It's as simple as that. Our job is to make God known to everyone. To everyone. Now, it rattles inside the unbeliever. Paul, he writes 13 New Testament letters. Wasn't always a Christian. 
He was the guy that led the charge. He was standing there as they're stoning Stephen. Stephen preaches this great message in the New Testament letter of Acts chapter 7. Preaches a great message. But Paul's there to kill him, and so is the gang, because they want to stop this new Jewish cult of Jesus. When he finishes, they take up stones, and they stone Stephen, and Paul is sitting there watching the coats of all the people that are stoning and killing him. Never, ever be shocked when you share the truth of God's word with somebody and they just get mad. Anyone ever experienced that? Why do they do that? Paul gives us insight in Romans 1. He says in Romans 1.18 that they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, when you start speaking the truth to them, they know what the truth is. And it starts coming up inside of them and starts, starts rattling. Any amens? And then they get mad about it. Now, I will tell you this. Paul was mad when he heard the truth. Was Paul close to being saved? Say yes. When somebody's getting so angry when you're sharing God's word with them, guess what? They're close, aren't they? If you see a pack of dogs and you throw a rock in the middle of those pack of dogs, how, how do you know which dog you hit? The one that yells the loudest, right? And when you're sharing the word of God and you're just steaming and rattling and fuming and, you know, acting crazy, it's hidden, is it not? It's going deep because the word of God living and active, sharpening and into it's sword. It's piercing and they don't like it. And so they suppress, suppress, suppress. Now, it rattles. I, I remember... Um, my sister, before I was a Christian, she used to give me these cassette tapes. Some of you don't even know what that is, okay? <laughs> On end times. And I'd listen to them, stupid me. I'm not even a Christian. But I'd listen to them. And I remember one day, you guys know the old city park in Corona? Any of you guys know that one? Okay, growing up, that was the city park. That was the park. And I used to play slow pitch softball there when I was younger. For years and years I played there. I remember one, I wasn't a Christian. One night, my team, our game was delayed by an hour. And we were all sitting in our cars. We got our cars sitting on that, that little cement kind of thing out there in right center field in that kind of narrow area right there. You know the area? Yeah. We're sitting there, and I don't know who brought it up or what about the end times. And then I start sharing everything that I'd learned what those tapes had said. And I'm talking about it. I'm talking about it. I'm not even a Christian. <laughs> but it was rattling inside of me. It was rattling inside of me. I didn't like it. I didn't want it. But it was rattling inside of me. Now, <clears throat> it doesn't return void once you share it. Okay, let me finish with Nick at night again, okay? Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, if you want to go and read the story, he comes to Jesus by night. Now, we could say it's dark time outside. Probably that's what it means. But John, if you look at his writing and see wherever he says night in other parts of the Gospel of John, He's not talking about night like when it gets dark. He's talking about the darkness of the soul separated from God. 
So you can go either way on that, I think. So Nicodemus is coming as religious as he is. He's followed God all his life, could memorize the five Old Testament books, fast twice a week, tithes, believes in Yahweh God. If anybody thinks he's okay before God, it's him. But he comes to Jesus, and he doesn't realize how much darkness he's in because he thinks he's okay with God, but he's not. Jesus, we know you've come from God as a teacher. It didn't say as Lord or God. We know you've come as a teacher. For no one can do the things that you do unless God is with you. So he recognizes by the miracles that Jesus could do and does that there's something unique about you. You come from God. And Jesus, right away. Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You know what he just told Nicodemus? Unless you're born again, Nicodemus, as religious as you are, you will spend eternity in hell. That's what he told him. This is Jesus telling this man. It's not me. It's Jesus. He's telling the truth. The exchange continues on. And then Nicodemus finally says, well, how can these things be? In other words, I don't get it. I don't understand. Remember, the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit. Remember that? 1 Corinthians 2.14, say amen. You remember that. He said, I don't get it. And then Jesus just... It's just so cool. It's so cool. And I hope next time you read it, you, you see it. He says, Nicodemus, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand what I'm telling you? He says, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? For no one has ascended into heaven, but he, meaning Jesus himself, but he who descended from heaven. By the way, that's telling you that Jesus said there's an eternity and there's an afterlife. Catch the words of Jesus to what he's telling you. But no one has ascended, but he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. When he says Son of Man, those are big words from Daniel. And then he says, Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so too must the Son of Man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And then, of course, the famous verse after that is, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Nicodemus knows the Old Testament. He knows it's backward, forward, sideways. He knows it all. And when Jesus says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Nicodemus' mind flashes back. We know it as Numbers chapter 21. They didn't have chapter breaks back then. He knows a story. When the Israelites were being bitten by poisonous snakes and dying, Moses says, what do we do? He says, God says, make, uh, uh, mold a bronze snake, put it on the top of a pole, set the pole up, and whoever looks at that snake when they're bitten, that bronze snake, they'll be healed. And bronze is the, the metal of judgment, and this thing is being taken the judgment for these people here. And so Jesus tells that story, tells Nic just like that, Nicodemus. Nicodemus doesn't get it. He doesn't get it because he's a natural man. It means nothing to him. And guys, you got to think about his life. He's come there for answers. He's, he's curious. Three years go by. And Jesus is arrested. And they beat him like they never beat a man before. And they nail him to a cross and they lift him up on that tree, that, that wood, that pole. You know that Nicodemus was there at the crucifixion? 
What do you think went through his mind? When he sees Jesus raised up on that pole, and he knew what Jesus told him, it's been rattling around and rattling around in him. Because I get it. It's you. You're the one to come save us from our sins. You're the one I have to put my faith in. It's you. You're the one carrying the judgment of mankind's sin. It's you. You're here. You're God in the flesh. It's your ear. And Nicodemus puts his faith in Jesus as God, Savior, and Lord. And he, along with Joseph of Arimathea, they plead for the body of Jesus and they take the body of Jesus down and they're the ones who put him in the tomb, put the spices over him. Three years of rattling, three years of rattling, rattling, rattling in his head. And then he gets it. I'm so thankful that people didn't give up sharing with me because it rattled in me and it rattled in me and it rattled in me. Until finally I said, I get it. I get it. Because see, the Word of God is alive. When you share that Word of God with people, you may think it did nothing. Oh, you'd be so wrong. It's alive. It's living and active. And it rattles and it rattles and it rattles in them. And somebody else is going to come and share some more. It's going to rattle. And you're going to run into them again. It's going to rattle some more. And finally, they're going to get it. They're going to get it. Because it never returns void without accomplishing everything that it set out to do. Amen. Series over. Del Campo out. <laughs> Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. It's so good. It's so good. you think about something friend if you're if you're here today or watching and you've never placed your faith in Jesus but the word has been rattling in you and you've been suppressing and pushing and suppressing and pushing and fighting against it isn't it time just to stop why don't you stop as Jesus told Paul that day quit kicking against the pricks you're just hurting yourself Give in now. Surrender to God. What are you waiting for? What benefit is it? God has been rattling around in your head for a while. And now it's time to surrender not just your head, but your whole life. He wants to wash your sins away. He wants to set your name in heaven. He wants you to be put on a path of which is true life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Once you jump in Jesus' way, then you get into his truth, and once you apply his truth, then you have true abundant life. And then you'll know that you know that you know that there is an afterlife, and when you die, you're going to do eternity with Jesus. Wow, that's utter security. I don't have to fear death. Because time, this earth, time, it's just limited. It's a vapor. Eternity goes on and on. 
And I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe the fir- for the first time in your life. And if you backslid, you need to jump on this one too. Get in. Start living for God. It's not your life. It's God's life. You belong to God. And everything about you belongs to Him. So if you like to place your faith in Jesus this morning for the first time and for the rest of your life, or you're back so you want to come back to Christ, I want you to repeat this prayer. And everybody here is going to say it with you. Everybody here is going to say it with you. But you just got to believe it. Put your faith in Jesus. You just got to believe it and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God, the only God, and there is no other way. All roads do not lead to God. There's only one way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So repeat this out loud after me. Everybody say it with them. Here we go. And you at home, same thing. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die for me. Take my life. Take all of me. Forgive me of my sins. And I know I'm forgiven. Come dwell in me, Holy Spirit. Guide me and lead me according to your word. Thank you for saving me. Friends, let me pray now. God, I pray. I pray that if people said that prayer for the first time or rededicated, you should just walk with them now. Get in the Word of God. You don't have a Bible? We have them at, at our Welcome Center in the lobby. They'll give you a free Bible. You've got to start walking with them. Get into fellowship. You don't know everything. God does. And bend your will to the will of God now. And then watch what God does in your life. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.